The hardest part about passing the CPA exam had to be when you get to the third and fourth exam, it's hard to remain enthusiastic and excited. You really have to lean into your reason why at that point. You're listening to Buff Speak, the official podcast of the Paul and Virginia Angler College of Business at West Texas A&M University. I am Dr. Nick Gerlich, your host, as we meet up with the thought leaders making an impact today. It is true that we academics really do like to see our students leave. Of course, not in a bad way. We don't want them to leave prematurely, but we do want them to complete their degree or degrees and then go on to be the best possible professional they can be. Never mind that this may sound a little bit self-serving, but it makes us all feel pretty good here at WT. After all, quite a few of us put our fingerprints on each graduate. That's our job. And it sure makes us beam with pride when we see them go far. We want to see them excel. Our guest today is Corey Orthengren, financial planner at RGT Wealth Advisors in Dallas and a recent graduate of the College of Business. I should make that plural. Corey graduated with his MPA, that's Master in Public Accounting, in December 2020, and immediately prior to that, he earned his BBA in accounting in May 2019, and before that, studied at Amarillo College. In just a few years, Corey has progressed from becoming fully pedigreed, working as commercial credit analyst at Amarillo National Bank, to accepting a position at RGT. Oh, and uh, somewhere in there, he married my oldest daughter, Becca, so there's that. Full disclosure, you know, these things are important in the financial world. His most recent accomplishment is passing all four exams to pass his CPA. His business card is going to be a few inches wider than normal once he gets done earning all of his certifications. Corey, tell us about your journey through ACWT as well as a and B and RGT, lots of alphabet soup there, but it all happened pretty fast. Yeah, thank you. I uh, appreciate being here. I will say out of high school, I was not really ready for college. Um, AC was probably the best place for me. Uh, allowed me to kind of mess up and learn how to go to college uh, for my first couple of years. Uh, when I really got to WT, though, it's when I really found a spark for finance, accounting, economics, and really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Um, I actually got to participate in the CFA Research Challenge here, which was a really fun experience. But then going into actually working a job, A and B taught me many things. Uh, one of the most important things they taught me was to keep things short and provide a one-page summary to people. In school, you're taught to write these 10-page essays, you know, going over one topic. And at A and B, they immediately looked at me and went, keep it to one page. Pass that, you're losing people. So that's one thing I learned there. And then I actually got to be part of the team that worked on the PPP program at AMB. So we did about $400 million of loans in a matter of two months. It was a crazy time, and I actually had to help set up the program to actually get applications in the door and then get them approved and then get the funds to the customers. So it was an eye-opening experience, and I actually learned that I thrive in a stressful environment. That was a fun time, and I didn't think that it would be as much fun as it was. Did you uh, ever feel like you weren't ready to make the transition from school to career? Oh, yeah. I still feel like that to this day. Uh, what I have to remind myself, though, is that school is just a start. No one expects you to know everything right out of the gate, and you have to remember that in your professional life. 
I've long told my students that whatever we teach them, when you join a company, you'll quickly find out they do things differently from the textbook approach. Did you find that to be true? That That is true as well. Um, you know, you've got textbook ways of doing stuff, but then you get out in the real world and the way things operate and the timing of things doesn't always line up with the way a textbook question lines it up. So you mentioned this CFA competition, and, and I remember when you were doing that in your senior year of undergrad. Tell us what that was all about, and what does CFA stand for? Yeah, so the easy question to answer there is that CFA stands for a Chartered Financial Analyst, and that uh, research challenge, what it does is they give you a, a company to analyze financially and basically write a 10-page report, and your analysis has to almost be better than all the other schools because they're submitting reports on the same company. So what you had to do was basically tell them why your opinion of a buy, sell, or hold on that company's stock was better than other schools' opinions. So what motivated you to keep going for a graduate degree? You just kept going, right? One right into the other. <laughs> yeah, so part of it was the challenge. Um, I definitely knew that I was going to go for a graduate degree. I didn't know what, it, what I wanted it to be in. But going through that, I knew that the accounting side really helped me do the financial analysis. And so to get your CPA, you actually have to have 150 credit hours of accounting to go and take those exams. And so the MPA just lined right up, and I hit the ground running. Well, I, I know there was also a lot of overlap in your schooling and your professional work because you were doing this MPA online while working at A&B. How were you able to balance the rigors of both, not to mention being engaged to my daughter? <laughs> yeah, so that was a fun balancing act at that time. Uh, one thing that really helped me, though, was making sure I kept work at work. And as soon as 5 o'clock hit or 5.30, you got everything you could do in one day done. You go home, and then you focus on something completely different. And you couldn't really be hung up on what happened that day or think about the projects that you didn't finish, get them to a stopping point, put it down, go to the next thing. So what was your experience like going to grad school completely online? Um, I know when I did grad school, we didn't have online, and it was all face-to-face, -face and, and everything was face-to-face -face at WT for many years. Uh, but now in, in the modern era, um, we don't have too many graduate classes on campus. They're very rare. You know, you lived here. You went to school here. I saw you in the hallways. You were accustomed to going to class on campus during your undergrad. Do you feel like you got the same quality level in your education as you would have in a face-to-face -face class? I do. Um, the online courses, you kind of have to attack them same as face-to-face. -face. You have to remain engaged with the professor and your classmates. And I think that was the biggest thing that I had to kind of keep carrying on. It was like, okay... You were face-to-face, -face, you were talking to people about this. Well, you might be able to not talk to them anymore, but you can email them, maybe get a coffee set up with them, stuff like that. So remaining engaged, I really, I feel like I got the same experience and got the same quality of education. Well, no sooner had you married my daughter and moved to Dallas that you took the position with RGT. What kinds of work do you do there, and what types of clientele do you have? Yeah, so at RGT, we're an asset manager and financial planner. Um, we really, so what I do is I'm on the financial planning side and it really matters the assets you invest in and how you actually own them matters. So what I do a lot is estate planning. And so that's setting up 
uh, people's estates for, you know, passing away, you know, handing assets down to the next generation. So that's a lot of what I do at RGT. And then RGT pushed you to earn your CPA or certified public accountant. Why did they see this as being important for the role you play with them? And while you're at it, tell us about all the steps, the level of difficulty, the preparation, the materials, et cetera. It's like you didn't really even have time to catch your breath after earning two degrees and getting married. Yeah, so I'll kind of start with what kind of clientele we deal with at RGT. So these are high net worth individuals, including business executives, business owners, and even a few professional athletes that are good at their craft and very well credentialed already. And so they want to see people on their team helping them out with their financial plans, with their investments that have their CPA, CFP, CFA designations. And so that's important for my role there. Um, the CPA was, it was difficult. There's four exams. So you've got FAR, Audit, Reg, and uh, BEC. These all play a different role in your accounting degree too. And so the challenging one for me was actually auditing and tax because I did not have a background in either one of those. And so those were more of, uh, I really had to read the books, really like practice every question I could, and then kind of hope and pray at the exams. So what do you have to do to maintain your CPA status? Is this a one and done thing? <laughs> Thankfully, I don't have to take any other exams. That's uh, the good part. But I do have to have 120 credit hours of just continuing education over a three-year period. So essentially 40 hours a year. So you've mentioned um, CFP. Um, tell us about that and any other certifications you have on your horizon. Yeah, so like I said, RGT does require that we get our CFP. Um, it's a certified financial planner. What that does, it also, it's kind of very similar to the CPA in that there's about seven sections, I believe. You go over insurance planning, estate planning, uh, tax planning, investment management, and kind of go over all of those. And you have to be able to show a proficiency or a you know substantial amount of knowledge in each of those areas. And then I also will be on for the CFA, which I passed level one back in December 2019 and still have level two and level three to go. Your business card really is going to be wide. All <laughs> those letters after your name. That's great. Um, both you and Becca were raised right here in Amarillo and Canyon. How was the transition from a metro area of only 309,000 to one of roughly 7.8 million people? And never mind the heat and the humidity, that must have caused some culture shock, even if it is still in the same state. Yeah, so that was, that was fun to learn, um, especially because everyone drives really close there. Um, we live right by the North Tollway, and so... There's um, some really nice cars on there in the morning. <laughs> so you're both ooing and aahing at these cars and then praying that you don't hit one. We've all heard the platitudes about investing, you know, buy low, sell high, and never put all your eggs in one basket. But these are just common sense. What other pieces of investing advice can you give that are maybe uncommon sense? Yeah, so it, one of the things about investing that I think a lot of people don't uh, – like estimate, they underestimate quite a bit is actually the psychology of when you actually do invest. Like it's easy when you're in a classroom kind of looking at things and looking at an asset to invest in, or even in my job, it's easy for me to answer a client question and say, hey, here's a smart thing to do. 
But then here's also another side of it where you also have to be rational. And so that's what I actually read a good book uh, by Morgan Housel. It's called Psychology of Money. And he has one chapter that literally goes into this reasonable versus rational type of mentality where, you know, you can have like the best answer, but if it's uncomfortable for someone, don't do it because you're not going to stick to it. So why should uh, someone hire a company to manage their wealth? I mean, can't you do this on your own? I mean, every time you have someone doing this for you, they're getting a cut all the time. Yeah. So what I always like to say is that we are no smarter than our clients, but we save our clients so much time to do what they do best. And so what we do is we deal with like all the insurance planning, you know, making sure all their cars are covered, all their homes are adequately covered. And that's something that would take them time away from, you know, either practicing and or just being out there and like drumming up business for whatever company they're running. And so that's really what we do is we save people time and give them back, you know, freedom for whatever they want to do. Okay, let's talk retirement. What kind of planning horizon should a person have? The, the average age of retirement in the U.S. is held steady at about 60 years of age throughout this century. And, and interestingly, that is like five or six years younger than the anticipated age of retirement. In other words, people are bailing five or six years be, before they thought they would be able to do so. And I don't know if it's because they just get tired of working or maybe they realize they have enough money. But anyway, for better or worse, we're retiring at about 60 but there are a lot of other different cut points uh, to consider here. You can't start collecting Social Security until you're 62, but there's a huge penalty if you do it because you're not going to get as much as you could if you waited until 67 or even 70 to start drawing from that. But you still you got to have money to live on, right? You, you can't just you know throw all this to the, to the wind and hope that everything works out for you. How does all this factor into the equation, and how much should you have in place for your golden years? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then what about people like me, your father-in-law, who plan to keep working at something far into their senior years? Yeah, so good question. Um, I, In my opinion, I think people are realizing that life is short. Um, you know, if you knew the date you were going to die, I, I could make you tons of money because knowing that date would help anyone invest better than they currently are um you know as far as being as far as people retiring early that's kind of my take on it and you actually realize that you can live on less than you think that's what we kind of discover in our line of work is when we're running projections for people is it's like you know you have x amount of money if you spend this much which you comfortably can you know you will be fine in retirement After the break, we'll take a look at the most recent scandal to rock the financial world, as if we needed more gloom and doom. The economy always leading in the daily news, it's no secret that there is a shortage of professionals who understand what's going on in this world. The Master of Science in Finance and Economics prepares the next generation of thought leaders who know how to prepare institutions and companies for the great unknown. Whether you seek employment in business, government, or as an instructor, the MSFE will ground you in all the theory and show you how to put it into practice. Demand meets supply at the corner of finance and economics. It's no mistake that our MSFE is consistently rated as one of the strongest in the nation. We're double ACSB accredited and among the most elite of business schools around the world. 
Reach for the stars and do it with a WT MSFE in hand. Waivers are offered for the GMAT. For more information, find us at wtamu.edu slash cob or call 806-651-2500. From the Texas Panhandle to the world, we're here to help you reach those stars. Last November, the headlines rang out about a financial crisis that quickly turned into scandal and potential criminal wrongdoing. FTX, which stands for Futures Exchange, had what is classically called an old-fashioned bank run on its reserves. FTX dealt in cryptocurrency and had its own FTT. And their sister company, Alameda Research, apparently had a balance sheet full of FTT, which caused another company, Binance, to offload its FTX tokens. But Binance did some strange things itself, first offering to acquire FTX, and then a day later rescinded the offer. This caused FTX to file for bankruptcy, and then its 30-year-old CEO and founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, to resign. And this was all before lunch on November 2nd. Okay, not really. It's, it just seemed like that because it all happened so fast. It actually took nine days for all of that to transpire. But, boy, it was just a whirlwind of, uh, of activity, and it seemed like it was all just swirling uh, down the drain. But wait, there's even more. FTX then tried to transfer money to Alameda on the 11th, Two days later, reports surfaced that the money was all gone. Not good here. This spurred regulators to begin looking into what is a very unregulated industry. Basically, at minimum, $32 billion disappeared in a heartbeat. Poof, gone. And while this is not even half of the $74 billion Enron scandal two decades prior, it's still a lot of cash. I mean, if anything, it seems like a gigantic Ponzi scheme to me. Corey, help help us walk through this quagmire. There's a lot of jargon here, and for the majority of us, we have no idea what just happened. Yeah, so they're sorting it out still, and I don't think we're actually going to know what fully happened for a couple years. They're already fighting over TV rights for documenting this thing, but essentially this is very equivalent to Enron's happening. You've got a special purpose vehicle for um, FTX, which is Almonda Research. Um, they were borrowing funds from FTX to invest in other companies, basically getting a receivable at times. And their balance sheet looked really good, but it was all basically propped up based on the fact that cryptocurrency was doing so well. And now, just like Enron, when oil prices fall, when cryptocurrency prices fall, it all comes out. Cryptocurrencies have only been around since 2009. I mean, that's that's still relatively new, and that's when Bitcoin was introduced. Now, it still seems like a stretch for most people, myself included, who are, are accustomed to still having paper and minted coinage in, in our possession. For many, it's, it's a big leap of faith to have even gone digital at all, uh, seeing numbers on an account ledger but not actually seeing the cold hard cash. Crypto, though, was not guaranteed by a government like the U.S. dollar, and 
it's one thing to accept currency issued and managed by a nation, but it's quite another to accept one that is strictly market-driven and not by fiat and certainly not backed by a gold standard. There is absolutely no safety net. Why would someone want to put their hard-earned cash into something like this? This is this is another one of those psychological things. I mean, it's really hard when you're watching CNBC to see Bitcoin up 200% and go, nah, I just, you know, I don't want to have that. It's hard to miss. And so you don't necessarily know what you're investing in, but you're just seeing the returns that everyone else is experiencing that you're missing out on, and you just really want to get into it. So fear of missing out, basically, right? Perfect. Perfect way to describe it. Do you think there's any future in crypto, and is this the currency of the future, or just wishful thinking? I think crypto will have a place. Um, what place that is, I don't know just yet, but I highly doubt it will place um, our fiat currency currently being used. And put your financial planner cap back on. What do you think of this? Take your personal side out, uh, fear of missing out, all that. Would you ever direct someone else's money into crypto? I would not. Uh, I stick to the rule myself and even uh, RGT. We say that you invest in what you know, and I have no idea really what's happening behind the scenes of crypto, and we really don't feel comfortable with that. So no, <laughs> would not be a recommendation you'd hear from me. So what were the red flags in, in the FTX scandal? The red flags would probably be, I mean, not knowing what was happening. Uh, people were investing, and you know, there were companies that the uh, Almandella Research was actually investing in. They were even saying, you know, you're exchanging your coins for our like interest in our business. You know, how does this work? And questions were going unanswered, many, many questions. And so that should have been the first red flag. Second red flag was every employee has now said that they didn't have an accounting system or an HR, like a physical HR person there, to even help with the business. That's, uh, you know, that's pretty much a staple to every company that I've worked for. I would be uh, apprehensive at best. I mean, they could have hired one of these third-party HR firms. I recently heard an ad for one on the radio. 99 bucks a month. You can have your own HR boss. <laughs> and they had nothing. Yeah, no, they didn't. Uh, I guess they didn't want to spend uh, Bitcoin on getting an HR department. How do you think federal regulators will react? I mean, Enron spawned new accounting standards. Do you think there will be new laws and standards as a result of FTX? Oh, for sure. Um, I think that there's going to be some regulation around this that we don't even realize kind of what it's going to be just yet. Um, they're already kind of starting to talk about it, and we'll see what comes. But there's definitely going to be some uh, some new regulations around this. And how do you think the accounting curriculum will change as a result of this? I think ethics classes will have a heyday with this. Um, I think this is going to be a new story to kind of follow and, uh, you know, we just had another one wrap up with the uh, the Theranos founder. Um, that finally coming to a close. And so I think this is just another feather in the cap for an ethics class, and we'll learn a lot from it. If you had to give a cautionary tale to investors based on what happened a few months ago, what would it be? It's that you have a fear of missing out, but you might also, like, think about how you would feel right now seeing all of your funds go away in an instant. I mean, it is, that's, you kind of have to weigh, okay, I'm missing out on 200% returns, but at the same time, how would I feel if this goes to absolute zero? 
And that would be even worse if you were 65 or 70 years of age thinking you had enough socked away in a variety of places and you were going to be set for life. And then you wake up one day and realize you got to go back to work. Yeah, yeah. Don't uh, don't put all your retirement in cryptocurrency. That's mm. that's going to turn up not good. When we come back, we'll listen to Corey wax philosophic about life after university. Paying taxes is never fun, and for this reason, there's always a demand for more CPAs. Our MPA degree or Master's in Public Accounting prepares students to take the CPA exam and helps their clients navigate those tricky waters. Or you could use this as a stepping stone towards a PhD in a career in academia. Either way, our MPA will ensure that you are up to date on all of the generally accepted accounting principles and ready to toil in the world of taxation, debits, and credits. We're AA CSB accredited and among the most elite of business schools around the world. Reach for the stars and do it with a WT MPA in hand. Waivers are available for the GMAT. For more information, find us at wtamu.edu slash cob or give us a call at 806-651-2500. From the Texas Panhandle to the world, we're here to help you reach for those stars. Corey, you haven't had much time yet to reflect on where you've been and where you're going, but at the same time, you've already covered a lot of ground. Are you living the dream yet, or are you still working on it? I'd call it a little bit of both. Um, I don't know if I had really a picture of my dream when I graduated, um, but I'm definitely still working towards something that I'm kind of building a dream for, is what I'd kind of say. Is there anything you would have done differently? Uh, I probably would have taken college a little bit seriously uh, the earlier on. Uh, my first two years, I just didn't, and I, I probably would change that part, but that's about it. I remember you were in my principles of marketing class. Uh, it's a number of years ago now, but I, I do recall you doing well in that class. Maybe it was because, you know, out of fear. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I also remember you expressing frustrations with, with teammates in the class um, because they were not maintaining your standards. And so I, I took that as a very good sign that you had made a lot of progress and you expected everybody else to come up to your level and you weren't going to stoop to theirs. Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of hard on some classes was, you know, just having an expectation of my work and then kind of getting in a group project and group this, the expectations were not met, but uh, we dealt with it. It was fine. You're, you're still a very young man, but uh, I have to ask, do you have any regrets thus far? No regrets. Um, that's, that's one thing that I am thankful that I don't have just yet. I think I've taken everything in full stride and done the best I could at that time. So, so what have been the biggest surprises less than two years out of the gate? Biggest surprises? Uh, people taking me as seriously as they have. Um, I did like, I've approached everything as, you know, I am fresh out of school. I, I don't have every answer right now. Um, but people have really, you know, taken to me and said, Hey, whatever you say, we're going to kind of go with. That was kind of the surprising thing in the PPP program is they were like, Hey, you're going to kind of help direct the ship. You're going to do this part. You know what, what you say goes. And I was like, wait, hold up. <laughs> this is a lot of money for me. And I don't know if I should be responsible for this, but they were more than happy to give me that responsibility. So this sounds like an, uh, a classic job interview question. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? 
Oh, man. Uh, I see myself hopefully just learning something new every day, same way it has been for the last two years. Um, I probably hopefully see myself just relaxing a bit more would probably be my best answer for that. Uh, that's kind of the hard part about doing all these exams is you go from work to studying and there's really no time in between to just enjoy life at times. So considering where you are now, is this where you thought you would be but 10 years ago? In other words, is this what you thought everything would be like? No. Uh, my parents had a conversation with me about my second semester of college about possibly going to a trade school because I just was not doing well in college. So definitely nowhere near where I thought I'd be 10 years ago. And that's a good thing. Uh, I'm happy that I've evolved and kind of taken taking things on the chin, and I think that's been for the better, honestly. Well, please don't take this as fishing for institutional compliments, but did university, and specifically WT, prepare you adequately for your career? They did. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at WT, and I, even now, I meet kids that went to these big D1 universities, and I think that WT prepared me better for life after university than theirs did. Um, and so I, I would definitely say yes, yes, that, that WT definitely did help. And and you feel like you can hold your own against anybody from uh, like an East Coast school, Ivy <laughs> League, or a flagship school from any state? Oh, yeah. Uh, I got to talk to kids during that CFA Research Challenge. We went to the uh, world round of it. And so just talking to kids from Rutgers, uh, you know, all these big schools, and I was, I was like, you're no smarter than me. You put your pants on the same way, and... I don't know. It really brought a lot home for me to kind of just see them be normal. It was like I'm normal as well, and you know different. One more thing. What can we do better here to help the next generation of graduates coming along? Uh, I, I don't know if there's anything that could be done better here at WT. Um, like I said, I always, already feel adequately prepared for the real world. Um, I would just say that you know, students need to understand when you go out into the real world, college is much different from an actual job. You're not going to be expected to know the right answer every time. And so that's that's the one thing that I would say. Our guest today has been Corey Orthengren, financial planner at RGT Wealth Advisors in Dallas and a recent two-time graduate of the College of Business. Corey, give us your best shot. My best shot would be be a lifelong learner. Um, every day, just be a sponge. Um, the one thing that I'm thankful for is at RGT, I work under a guy that was an estate lawyer in his past life, turned financial advisor, and I learned something new from that man every day on the estate planning side. And so just walking into work every day, being ready to learn. You've been listening to Buff Speak from the Paul and Virginia Angler College of Business at West Texas A&M University. Our executive producer is Justin Lovell, and Allison Hunter is our associate producer. Our co-editors are Maverick Evans and Paul Torres. Lindsay Bjork is our director of marketing and outreach initiatives, which includes overseeing Buff Speak. Dr. Jeffrey Babb is director of accreditation and is our technical consultant. Finally, Dr. Amjad Abdullah is dean of the college. You can find us online at wtamu.edu slash cob for more information about our programs. Be sure to check out our many academic offerings. Come for the quality, stay for the small classes, affordable tuition, and friendly approachable professors. 
and look online at our faculty blog, profspeak.com, for more insights. You can listen to BuffSpeak on your favorite podcast portal, as well as on our website, buffspeak.biz. And if you like what you've been hearing, don't be afraid to share us with your friends, colleagues, and family. Word of mouth has always been the best form of advertising. Until next time, love one another. For the Paul and Virginia Engler College of Business at West Texas A&M University, I am Dr. Nick Gerlich. And as always, go Buffs! Buff Speak.